You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Over the summer, a story hit the news, and that kind of story does appear in the news from time to time, but a woman named Beth spent the day at Downhill Beach with her husband-to-be, Ryan, and they went down to the beach, and she took off her jewellery and put it on her towel at the beach, and then they gathered up their jewellery and the towel and brought it to the car, and as they were sitting in the cafe, they realised something, a piece of jewellery was missing. It wasn't the earring, but her engagement ring. And well, they panicked and went down to the beach and searched amongst, uh, among the sand, and eventually they gave up whenever daylight disappeared. And she said, I felt so empty. Such was the value of it because her husband and her mom designed it or something. And what do you do if you lose something that you treasure so much? You search and search and search, don't you? So you go and try and find it. They tried, unsuccessful. So up on social media, she asked for help. And she went back the next day to find these two gentlemen here were scarring the beach from 5 a.m. that particular morning using metal detectors. Very gracious of their time, wasn't it? And they were looking for this lost ring. And it wasn't until they were thinking about giving up on this second day, if you like, whenever they were standing chatting, aimlessly waving the metal detectors about, that they heard a beep. Now, they heard many beeps before, but they thought, well, well, we'll just do this one last time. And as they dug about a foot under sand, there was her ring. They found her ring. And what was the worst day of her life before, she said, was now a day of, of joy uh, and of great joy for her and her fiancé. They had to actively search and search and search looking for that ring. No idea roughly on the beach where it was, between the car and the towel, wherever they were sitting. That's where they had to search. And eventually they got there. And they were able to celebrate and rejoice with others because they found this most treasured ring. And in Luke 15, this idea of a careful diligent a search is what Jesus wants to get through to us. As they search for that ring, because it was so treasured, the picture is Jesus diligently, carefully searches for you. That's the picture. That's what Jesus wants to get across to us, that God actively seeks sinners and welcomes them home. God actively seeks us. Not just rubbing your hand across the top of the sand hoping you find the ring, but painstaking, diligent, looking carefully for us sinners. Because in the spiritual life, we are sinners. We are lost, aren't we? But then we are found, and God welcomes us home. Our first point today is just that God welcomes sinners. And we see that even before we get into these parables, don't we? Luke wants us to know the context, because it sets up the parables. They were drawing near to hear Jesus, the tax collectors and the sinners. In verse 1, and what are the Pharisees doing? They are muttering or grumbling to themselves right loud. This man welcomes or this man receives sinners. Go if someone was to knock on your door, maybe later on in the evening, and maybe they say, my car's broke down, can I use your phone? Maybe it's raining outside. You might give them a cup of tea, a glass of water, a towel to dry their head with, perhaps, and you let them use their, your phone. You welcome them in in that sense. You might offer them a cup of tea, but you're not going to pour out your heart to them, are you? You're not going to tell them all your interests and what you do, maybe, and so on. You won't let them right into your life. Sure you wouldn't. 
But that's what Jesus does. That's the word the Pharisees use about Jesus. This idea of welcoming is much more than just, oh, hi, you take a seat there and let me chat. But it's bringing right in. It's a fellowship and companionship. That's what Jesus is doing here with these sinners right into him to receive them and to accept them. Not just, you know, like an acquaintance chatting around the table. But Jesus takes these tax collectors, these sinners, and brings them right in. He loves them. He's compassionate on them. He spends time with them. He knows them. And he accepts them in a sense. They are created in his own image, and his heart goes out to them. He welcomes them right in. But throughout Scripture, isn't it the case that Jesus welcomes them right in, but constantly shows them their need to repent and to trust him? Because that's really loving people, welcoming them right in, but showing that there's a gracious hope in Jesus rather than that righteous working hope of the Pharisees, which is no hope at all. This is Jesus entering into fellowship, entering into community or, or companionship with these people. Jesus or, and God welcomes sinners. And it shows God's incredible uh, character, doesn't it, in his gracious nature, that a holy God would welcome sinners and invite them right into his heart. See, what the Pharisees say, what do they say there in verse 2? What they say, muttering and grumbling, those are the words that should be on our lips in awe, shouldn't they? We should be saying on our lips, this man, Jesus, he welcomes sinners. Not a derogatory thing, but how beautiful is that? Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. As Luke puts this gospel together, how does he end chapter 14? Those who have ears, let them hear. And what are the sinners doing? They're lending an ear to Jesus, aren't they? We're told that they're listening to him. And the important thing here is that Jesus welcomes sinners. The sinners are listening to him. The Pharisees are not. We need to see our own sin, don't we? Jesus welcomes sinners. If we don't see our sin, then how can Jesus welcome us? We know that this discipleship of following Jesus is a great challenge. We need to hear and listen to Jesus. But the first point is, isn't it, that I am a sinner and Jesus is my Savior. To be a member of the church here is to admit just that. I am a sinner, deserving of his wrath. Not like the Pharisees who look down on others and say, look at those people useless. People who are unworthy. Look at us, we are righteous. That's what the Pharisees are thinking. And for Jesus is stressing to us that he welcomes and receives sinners, and it's so vital for us to understand. Do you know that you are a sinner? Do you know? Do you feel that guilt in the past of the things you've done wrong? Maybe things that still plagues your mind, the regret of past sin, memories of the past that make us ashamed. Know that you have done wrong but no Jesus. Because as sinners, we are the very people who ought to go to him, to listen to him, because Jesus, we see constantly, don't we, Jesus, loving kindness, his, his, his graciously deals with them, he welcomes them in and forgives sin. Don't be like the Pharisees, you don't see it. Because the elder brother is just like the Pharisee, isn't he? At the end of that chapter in verses 28 and 29, 
however the younger son comes back and is welcomed in. What does the older brother respond? Verse 28, he's angry. Angry that his father would welcome someone home uh, home in such a way. (laughs) The Pharisees are saying, why are you welcoming the sinners, Jesus? Look at us. The the older brother says, there's not a day I've disobeyed you. I've been good all my days. What are the Pharisees saying? We've been here all along, God. We have never disobeyed one of your laws. They see themselves as righteous. And even in the reaction of the older brother, it shows that he isn't righteous at all, isn't it? The reaction of the Pharisees shows that they aren't righteous. They are foolish and deceive themselves. They think they are good enough. Don't make that mistake. We are sinners. We need to see our own sin because God welcomes sinners. This younger son, how is he greeted? The father runs out, hugs him, kisses him. Look at that welcome. That's the welcome that we receive as sinners coming to Jesus. That welcome, that embrace, that warmth, not a superficial, bland conversation, but right in to a loving fellowship and companionship with Jesus. God welcomes sinners. And surely as people of Union Road, as Christians, we should welcome sinners too. This place should be a place that welcomes hurting people. That we should be a place that welcomes sinners. Those with all their baggage and burdens of life, you are welcome here because we point you to Jesus week after week. Are we welcoming? Are we inclusive of sinners yet rejecting sin? God welcomes sinners. And we should reflect that as his people. God welcomes sinners. And then secondly, God searches for sinners. Or God searches for the lost. And that's clearly indicated in the first two parables, isn't it? With the the sheep and the coin. And well, Jesus is using this picture, which is used throughout Scripture, that we would get what God's about. That we would understand a little bit. We would get a glimpse of God's character. Because throughout Scripture, God and people shepherd and sheep. And God searches for the lost, for sinners, like a curing shepherd. This picture of shepherds in Psalm 23 that we've sung. Psalm 80, hear us, O shepherd of Israel. Isaiah 40 that we prayed from, that he tends his flock like a shepherd. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And it's this picture of shepherd that Jesus uses in this parable for himself. That the sinners, the listeners, us today would understand the love that God has for sinners. Because look at the shepherd. Here's a man who has 100 sheep. Jesus could be saying here, this man's so many sheep, he wouldn't miss one. A hundred sheep to 99, not a big deal. He's potentially a wealthy shepherd. But what is this shepherd going to do? He goes to find that lost sheep. Not just sending another or just repairing over the fence, but going to look. It's more than a token search. He wants to find a sheep, and he will find a sheep. God actively seeks sinners and welcomes them home. Because this is... God's search and rescue throughout Scripture, isn't it? It's God's search and rescue. And in the the opening of our call to worship today, as we reflected on Ezekiel 34, you notice all the I wills, I wills, I wills. It's the Lord speaking, I will care for my people. 
So in a couple of those verses up on the screen, hopefully, <clears throat> I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong, the righteous, I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. God does the search and rescue. Great effort goes into it. This is what the picture of the woman in the coin does, isn't it? That really careful, diligent search. She's 10 coins, 10 days wages. That's all she seems to have. She loses one, a tenth. She just doesn't wait till it turns up. What does she do in her mud house with maybe little light getting in, with her earth floor, maybe straw on the floor at best? What does she do? She lights the lamp and sweeps, and she searches and searches and searches. She has great determination to find that lost coin. Just like the shepherd has great determination to look for his sheep. Eventually, with careful, diligent care, painstaking maybe at times, she's not going to leave it, but she will find it. The coin and the sheep, they attribute nothing to being found. Sure, they don't. The recovery is solely dependent on the woman and the shepherd. The only thing that they contribute is the fact that they were lost in the first place. And God has this plan, this search and rescue plan through Jesus. Later tonight, Philip's going to be looking at Luke chapter 19, where it says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to search and to rescue us. Because these pictures, God's searching and rescuing sinners like us. It's such a wonderful picture of God's act of love, isn't it? God's act of love. He's not passive. He goes and searches, like combing through the wilderness or turning the house upside down for a special object. He does that for you, sinner. God searches for you. He is merciful and forgiving. He restores sinners. He repents. In the parables, we can get caught up with the sheep and the coin and miss the character of God within it, that God searches passionately for his people. That is what the love of God is like, passionate searching, searching for the lost. The shepherd, God, picks up the sheep and carries it home. Ezekiel, what's the picture? Constantly that God will tend for his sheep. God will care for his sheep. God will bind up his sheep. God not just rescues us, but restores us. What sheep can fix a man or mend a leg? What person can mend their spiritual state? Only Jesus. That is the act of love of God. God does not stop searching for us. I see God's love in Jesus. He came down to earth. He'll take the sin of us sinners on him so that we might be brought into his fold. That is why Christ welcomes us because it's his mission to save his people. And God has searched for you. He has searched for you. Think of that picture of the girl scarring her beats for an engagement ring. On and on and on until she found it. That is God with you. Maybe you feel a little bit like a lost sheep in the story. A wee bit like Leroy. You've dandered, uh, just dandered away from the fold of God, and before you even know it, because of the sin in your life, 
because of maybe family situations, breakdown in relationships, you discover that actually you're far away and you're hunkering down in a ditch somewhere. You're lost without Christ, without hope. Or maybe you're more like the coin, doesn't even know it's lost, really. Coins, not a thinking object. But maybe we're more like a coin. We're sitting here today and, excuse the pun, the penny's dropping. We're realizing, actually, I am a sinner. I need rescued. Don't look past Jesus. He searches and searches and searches for you so that his spirit will work in your heart that you might come to him. The shepherd and the woman spare no effort in finding their lost sheep and coin respectively. And Jesus goes through the humiliation of the cross. And Hebrews 12 verse 2 tells us, Jesus goes through the humiliation of the cross for the joy set before him. We'll come to that if you think about that in a few in a moment. But God searches for the lost. And surely as church in Union Road and as Christians, we should too. Searching for sinners. Searching for the lost. Let us go and look for all kinds of sinners. The ones who sit in church and think they are righteous like the Pharisees. You need Jesus. Those who are really bitter towards the church because of past fallings out or experience in their own upbringing, they need Jesus. Those who believe that they are righteous and don't need him, those who reject Jesus without a thought, who are indoctrinated by society and don't give Jesus a thought, they need Jesus. Protestant, Catholic, Muslim, the addict, the folks that are living in a disrupted and broken home, Jesus welcomes all kinds of sinners. And surely we should be going out to bring them to Jesus. God searches for the lost, and so must his church. And as Jesus dies on the cross, that humiliation with a joy set before him, we learn finally then that God rejoices in repentance. Whenever God searches for us and finds us, there does need to be a response. And that response is that picture of that younger son. He has squandered his inheritance. He has tasted the world. And in a sense, he's lost. And he returns home. But what does he do? He repents. He confesses his sin. He recognizes he deserves no favor. And the Father pours out grace upon grace. Jesus is trying to picture for the Pharisees that God rejoices not in righteousness, because we cannot offer that, but God rejoices and delights in true repentance. God loves the lost people, just like the two parables, the first two parables, and the son, younger son. What brings joy to God is not our righteousness, but our knowing that we're not righteous, and our repenting and trusting in Jesus. See, God rejoices in repentance. And how do we see that? Well, we see that in the joy in heaven. Okay, so in verses 7 and 10, there is joy in heaven, isn't there? And do you, who's speaking this? Who's talking about this parable? Jesus. Where was he about 30 years before? Where was he? Heaven. And what does Jesus say about heaven? Whenever Rahab 
comes to faith. I tell you, Jesus knows this to be true. I tell you that in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Verse 10, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There is joy in heaven. Whenever we believed in the Lord Jesus, there were celebrations. Heaven was rejoicing. Jesus is just showing them the love that God has for them, isn't he, again? That there's celebration in heaven. Isn't that an encouragement to us to repent and to come to Jesus and to continue to repent and come to Jesus? God cares for individuals one by one. God rejoices in repentance. The heavens rejoice. Does that not just tell you how important this is? How much God loves us that the heavens rejoice because of sinners repenting? Does this not show us God's desire and his welcoming heart to welcome sinners right into his heart? When we come through Jesus, we aren't going to be rejected by God. We're not. We're quite the opposite. Through faith in Jesus, we are welcomed right in. Let's look at the father's response to the younger son in verse 20. The son's disappeared. And the, the son's returning to the father. And the father looks out and sees in the distance his son. And what does the father do? He runs, but look at that word, compassion. The father looks and sees, has compassion. That word's only ever used of Jesus and of God. God looks out and sees sinners. He says, oh, you're so helpless. You're so hopeless. Come to me. Come to me with all of your sin. Why? Why can we come? Why do we need, can we repent? Because again, we have that picture of that celebration in heaven, verses 22 to 24, don't we? This idea of gathering the fat and calf, having a celebration. The father's response to the son, the son is one of joy. Joy, celebration. And that's an encouragement to us to repent because we know we will not be rejected when we come to Jesus. Because we know we are sinners. And we know he is our savior. The shepherd, when he finds the sheep, joyfully tells everybody and has a party. The woman finds her coin, and she probably throws a party cost more than that one coin. Such is her joy. The, the shepherd carries the, the sheep on, a, on his back, carries him right back into the fold. And that's what God does with broken people like us. He lifts us, carries us right the way back in. God rejoices in repentance, and surely so must his church. Whenever people come to Jesus, surely we too should be a rejoicing people, giving thanks. Let us be and continue to be a joyful people that know we are saved by grace. Joyful despite our circumstance. In Romans 15, 13, Paul writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can be joyful. Why? Not because we're righteous. Because we know when we look in the mirror, we are broken sinners. And because we know we are sinners, we can look at God's word. We see in here that Jesus welcomes us. Welcomes us sinners right into fellowship with him, that we would be united to him so that 
we would have this rejoicing in heaven one day for him, with him for all eternity. Remember, we are lost and we need to be found. God searches and searches and searches for you. Come. Come to Jesus. He will welcome you right in. Despite all the feeling of sin in the past, despite how many times you feel you've let him down, even the amount of times you've thought how righteous you are, acknowledge you're not. And let's come to Jesus. Thank you.